This is Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs. I shudder thinking how the world can be so cruel. I lend my voice to those who can't. It's time we try. It's time we care. It's time we stand. It starts with a voice. Welcome to the Special Chronicle Show. This is episode 511. My name is Daniel Smokowski, and I'm the founder of Special Chronicles and the Special Olympics Southern Strive International Global Messenger. Before we begin today's episode, follow Special Chronicles on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Subscribe, rate, and review Special Chronicles on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Our website, specialchronicles.com. You can stream archives of over 730 episodes absolutely for free. Also, there's a list of our favorites, original series, award-winning columns and blogs. Sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive bonus content delivered to your inbox. Again, specialchronicles.com. Uh, this week on the Special Chronicles podcast, Unified at Work Series, Season 4 premiere, we present the United Airlines Bridge January Town Hall, featuring the full edited audio recording replay of a presentation from the American Association of People with Disabilities talking about disability and ableism. First, we're going to take a brief break to uh, let you know about one of our podcast partners. So, support for Special Chronicles comes from United Airlines Bridge Disability Business Resource Group. Special Chronicles is proud to partner with United Airlines and the Bridge BLG. Bridge BLG is committed to being an ally for all employees and customers with disabilities. Bridge helps to create internal awareness to keep accessibility needs in mind and partner with key organizations to empower disability inclusion for employment and travel. Bridge, connecting people of all abilities. Book your travel today on United.com or on the award-winning United app. Learn more about United's commitment to disability inclusion for employment and travel at specialchronicles.com slash United. That's specialchronicles.com slash United. And now, please put your virtual hands together as we welcome the American Association of People with Disabilities on the Special Chronicles podcast on specialchronicles.com. This is a real treat for all of us, and um, I'm just going to turn it over to you. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, to United, to everyone on the Bridge team, and to Jill for that introduction and for the opportunity to speak with you all today. My name is Maria Town. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am a white woman with brown hair pulled back in a ponytail. I'm wearing a white jacket, a red dress, and some pearls. Um, I am thrilled to be with uh, to be with you all today. I to introduce myself. I serve as the president and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities. Uh, as Jill mentioned, we are a National Cross Disability Civil Rights Organization. Um, we'll say more about ourselves in a bit. 
Um, but I'm also a person with a disability. I have cerebral palsy. And um, one of the things that I bring to this work is my, my personal experiences. And when, when I was very young, I realized that my life was shaped by policies and attitudes about disability. Um, and I knew that I wanted to change them for the better. Uh, and so I've had the great privilege of working in disability advocacy for over a decade. And I get to do it with people like Christine Liao, who I will turn it over to introduce herself. Christine. Hello, everybody. It's great to be here with you all. My name is Christine Lau. My pronouns are she, her. I am a young Chinese woman with long black hair, brown eyes, wearing a gray long sleeved sweater. Behind me is some nature artwork and a plant. And I am the program director at the American Association of People with Disability. Like Maria, I have been with ADD since 2019. My past and current professional experiences have been dedicated to cultivating inclusive and intersectional spaces for people with disabilities to develop their leadership skills and to be able to be a part of a larger community. Like Maria, this stems from my personal experience of growing up and not sure where I belonged, whether that was my Asian community or my deaf community. So I've been very focused on making sure that everyone who participates at AAPD can bring all of their identities together, not just their disability identity. And today we're also joined by one of our AAPD program alum, Siran. So I'm going to turn it over to her to introduce herself. Hi everyone, my name is Suran Trong. Um, I go by she, her pronouns. Uh, I am a female Asian American wheelchair user and I am sitting in my office. It is just your typical boring office background. And um, right now I serve as the academic advisor for my local community college. I my background is in social work, so I got my master's of social work back in May, and I am clinically licensed. Um, I was a PD summer 2021 intern, and it was such an amazing experience. It laid the foundations for um, just disability rights and disability justice, and I bring that to my work every day. So uh, I guess we can go on to the next slide. So this is Maria. Uh, thank you so much, Suan and Christine. To give you all an overview of the American Association of People with Disabilities, or AAPD, as mentioned, we are a cross-disability civil rights organization, and we are disability-led. What that means is that we work <clears throat> on policies and programs that come from the perspective of all people with disabilities, whether that is blindness, mobility disabilities, deafness, uh, cancer, long COVID, uh, other chronic health conditions and beyond. We, all of our staff are people with disabilities and 75% of our board are people with disabilities. We work to increase the economic and political power of the more than 60 million Americans with disabilities. Um, 
as Jill mentioned, one and four uh, United States adults are, are disabled. We, um, and actually mobility and access to transit and access to flight are uh, key components of making sure that disabled people can increase our economic and political power. Uh, we work to achieve our mission through engaging in both programming and policy initiatives. Some of our programming initiatives are Disability Mentoring Day, the Hearn Awards uh, Rev Up, which is our voting program, and our internship program, which we are very uh, proud and grateful to have United support for. Next slide. So to kick us off, um, we wanted to go over some definitions. When we mention disability, what we mean at AAPD is any mental or physical condition that impacts an activity of daily living or being perceived as having such a condition. And importantly, you do not have to identify as disabled to have a disability. Uh, one instance where we see this quite often is in older adults who may have um, different sight than they had previously in their lives or different hearing, uh, but they would never say that they have a disability. They might say that they're just losing their hearing or losing their sight. And um, from that example, one of the things we acknowledge is that anyone can become disabled at any point in time in their lives. Um, referencing another definition, <clears throat> one other term that's important to us at AAPD is ableism. And ableism is a system of assigning value to people's bodies and minds based on societally constructed ideas of normalcy, productivity, desirability, intelligence, excellence, and fitness. To continue, um, these constructed ideas of ableism are deeply rooted in eugenics, in anti-blackness, misogyny, colonialism, imperialism, and capitalism. Ableism is a systemic <clears throat> oppression that leads people and society to determine that people's lives are based on their culture, age, language, appearance, religion, birth or living place, health or wellness, or their ability to satisfactorily reproduce, excel, or behave. And you do not have to be disabled to experience ableism. This definition is ac was actually created by an AAPD alum, one of our Hearn awardees, T.L. Lewis. Um, and I realize that sometimes it can be tough to fully um, understand a definition like that without some practical examples. And so now I want to ask uh, Christine and Suan uh, they want to share a tangible example of ableism for all of you. Um, I guess I can go first. This is Sue Ann. So ableism is just like um, in social work, we call it an ism. So sexism, racism, ableism. So ableism is basically discrimination against people with disabilities is how I would sum it up. And Christine, what about you? Thank you, Suanne. Thank you, Christine. I think Maria and Suanne did a great job summarizing ableism and to help put it into practice. Any example would be 
everyone thought that I could never take classes with my with other students. So it was always asked if I want to be placed in a separate room, take a separate curriculum, because they did not feel like because of my deafness that I would be able to keep up with the material in class. So that is one example of ableism. Mm -hmm. This is Maria. An uh, example of ableism that I've experienced um, when I was in college, I, I studied Arabic and I wanted to study abroad in Morocco and my university would not allow me to study abroad in Morocco <clears throat> because they assumed it would be too inaccessible. So instead of working with me to figure out how I could study abroad, they made an assumption about what the environment was there and what my capabilities were and just said, no, you, um, you won't be able to study abroad. Uh, next slide, please, and I'll pass it to Christine. Thank you, Christine. I think Suanne is going to cover this slide. So, Suanne, do you want to kick us off? Hello, this is Suanne, um, and we'll be talking about disability identity and disability pride. So, the word disability, uh, the more you say it, the less stigmatized it becomes, and the more common and socially acceptable it becomes. So, um, and the opposite is true, right? So the less you say a word and the more you avoid that word, the more stigmatized it becomes and the more taboo it becomes. So in the disability community, we always encourage the word disability. So we say disability is not a bad word. And then there's a, um, with disability, there's a couple of different ways that people might identify themselves. So the first one is, called identity first and it's uh, using the word disabled so i would say i am disabled just like i would say i am asian american so it's owning that full identity and incorporating it into um, my everyday well-being and this is who i am this is a part of me whereas persons with a disability is or person first, known as person first language, um, is more commonly used and it it's um, really popular in the academia world. And it's saying um, you put the person first and then the disability is the secondary. So the more common phrase is persons with a disability or um, I have a disability versus I am disabled. So everyone has a different experience and relationship with their disability. So I was born with my disability. So I've had a lifetime to live with it, to get used to it. Whereas someone might have um, entered the community last week and they're just not used to this world yet. So they might want to identify as having a disability instead of being a disabled person. So the general rule of thumb is just to meet people where they are because everyone has a different relationship with their disability. And with that, I will turn it over to you, Christine. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so much. Maybe move on to the next slide. 
So I wanted to talk about one of APD's signature program, the summer internship program. And a lot of this is very focused on cultivating stronger disability identities with Sharon. We'll talk about in the next slide. But for now, I wanted to give an overview of our internship program, which Maria mentioned earlier that we are so grateful for United Airlines for supporting our internship program. So the internship program was established in 2002. So this is our 21st year of implementing the program. Our internship program focuses on providing a professional and career development opportunity for disabled students and recent graduates to access meaningful employment, gain leadership skills, and connect to the broader disability community. We recruit students and recent graduates with disability across the country and place them in a high-level paid internship on Capitol Hill in federal industry, national nonprofits, and for-profit organizations for 10 weeks. We know that accessing internship can pose a lot of barriers. So in order to minimize any barriers, we cover the transportation to and from DC, provide accessible housing. And because of the pandemic in the last three years, AAPD has also provided opportunity to join in DC in person or remotely. Interns are also paired with a mentor based on their personal and career interests to support them in their career growth. And interns also participate in a disability advocacy certificate program. This prepares our interns to be effective and knowledgeable advocates in their local community, on the state level, and on the national level. We are very proud of this program, and we are very proud of all of our alums that come through this program. So I'm going to turn it back over to Suran to share a little bit about her experience on the next slide. This is Suran again. Um, so I was a APD Summer 2021 intern, and back then, and I still very am now still uh, passionate about disability and employment and I was always interested in what are ways we can um, what are ways that we can kind of close that gap of disability unemployment um, and so I landed in the national at the National Disability Rights Network or NDRN and I was put on a team and to task um, tasked with phasing out the sub-minimum sub minimum, uh, sub wage or Section 14C under the Fair Labor's Dangerous Act for people with disabilities. And if you're not familiar with the sub-minimum sub wage, um, it is it basically said that uh, under this 14C clause that you can't, uh, companies with a 14C certificate are allowed to pay people with disabilities under the federal minimum wage and studies have found that um, people have been paid as low as two cents an hour. So uh, during my time at NDRN, I connected with legislators to educate them on the importance of equal pay and just equal dignity at work. 
so my current role, uh, I serve as the academic advisor for our ILEAD program, which stands for the Independent Literacy Education for Adults with Disabilities. And so I work with uh, young adults with disabilities who are transitioning out from high school and into college. And we are, um, they are college students. So it's, it's a non-credited course. So there we assist them and kind of prep them for um, curriculum classes if they so choose to do that after our program. And uh, I also help out with Project Search, which is a national program that hires people with disabilities. And to kind of bring this all back, I first learned about Project Search um, at my APD internship at NDRN. So I got to talk about that during my interview. So thank you, APD, for helping me land my first job. So with that, um, we'll just turn it over to, uh, to the next slide. So this is Christine. So I know that all of you are interested in learning of how to make flying and the flying experience more accessible for people with disabilities. So we all wanted to take the time to share our personal experiences. I do want to disclose that before I identify as a deaf person, another deaf passenger may have a different experience. So I want to reiterate what Sue Ann shared earlier is that everyone has a different relationship with their disability and because of that, the accommodation might be different as well. So just because I share my experience at the deaf passenger does not mean it can be applied to every other deaf passenger. But we kind of broke it down into different categories while flying. So the first is, you know, we all book our plane tickets and there's a section where you can indicate what access needs you have. So often I would indicate that I'm hard of hearing or hearing impaired, which is the option on there. But one of the challenges that I have, and I'm not sure how that information is used, because when I get my mobile boarding pass, it doesn't say that I'm deaf or hard of hearing on it. Or if I print it out at the airport, it also doesn't disclose that I'm deaf or hard of hearing. So it still makes me feel like I have to actively disclose to the gate attendant when I'm there. So when I arrive and I find my gate, you know, I'm not sure if they are expecting me or if they know where I am. So I go up to them and then I feel like I have to explain to them, hey, like I can't hear when I'm supposed to board. And I would like to talk to the pilot and the flight attendant of what kind of accommodation I need on the plane. Sometimes flight, sometimes the gate attendants are not sure what to do with me. So they say, just stand over here and I'll tell you what to do. And then I'm not sure if they'll get overwhelmed with everyone boarding that they may remember me or may not remember me. Um, so it creates a little bit of um, uncertainty every time I fly, um, not knowing if I'll have the opportunity to talk with flight attendants. And it's important for me to be able to talk to them before everyone else is on the plane so I can let them know where I'm sitting, 
how I prefer to be communicated. And if at all possible, when there's an emergency, I would like to know, but it brings some challenges because, you know, if there's a wind going on, you know, everyone has to be seated, but everyone's making announcements and the plane ride is going to get very bumpy, but I'm not going to know why. So I get very anxious when a lot of those things happen because I'm not sure if it's just bad weather or if there's more dangerous things happening on the plane. So those are some of my experiences and challenges that I experienced while flying. Um, I'm going to turn it over to see if Maria or Sirian want to share their experience. I can go. This is Sirian. Um, I, when I get on the plane, I am the last person to get off the plane. So uh, that can get a little bit challenging, especially if it's a connect connecting flight. When I'm usually with someone, I usually have a personal care assistant with me. And the last time when I flew, um, the one of the flight attendants thought that my uh, personal care assistant was my mom. And she is actually my cousin. And she's only seven years older than me. So that would have been really, that was really awkward. Uh, so going back to um, the deplaning, during short layovers, um, often uh, my wheelchair gets lost. And so if I'm catching a flight in the next 20 minutes or a connecting flight in the next 20 minutes, it's I get very anxious because who knows where that wheelchair is. And, um, and it really puts me and the person going with me at risk for missing the connecting flight. And then when I do get, get it back, I often notice that uh, my wheelchair is a little bit more bent out of shape. So the headrest might be off, the armrest might be a little bit wonky. I mean, not, I don't have nightmare experiences, but it is a little bit concerning when something that costs, you know, 30 grand isn't handled with the care that it needs to. And then, um, going along with that point, I've seen people try to pick up my powered wheelchair, and that is a 305-pound chair. So it's um, someone picking it up. It can be easily dropped, and it could, um, one, hurt the person, and then, two, damage the equipment. So that's kind of my experiences so far. This is Maria. Um, so I have a mobility disability, but I um, do not use uh, <clears throat> um, my own mobility device when I go to the airport. I use wheelchair assistance. Um, and so similar to uh, Christine, um, 
you know, I typically disclose my need for wheelchair assistance when I'm purchasing my ticket. However, it, that is not indicated on um, my mobile ticket. And so even though I have um, trouble standing in line and balancing, I have to make sure I go to, um, to the check-in counter to get a boarding pass that has pre-board wheelchair listed on it. Um, and it is actually very important that I get this um, because many people assume that disability looks a certain way. And um, just this weekend, I was accused by a gate agent of just, you know, just sitting in a chair and trying to get pre-boarding instead of having an actual need. Um, and I had to work with her and show her, no, my, my ticket does indicate that I need this. I, I promise I may look young, but I am actually disabled. Um, the, and in getting, uh, and it, it can be a very frustrating experience for myself um, because some airports, all most airports have slightly different practices around this where you're supposed to go to let uh, the airline know that you need wheelchair assistance, where you're supposed to wait. Um, and in my interactions, a, lo a lot of times gate agents assume that disabled passengers know this information and get frustrated because we're not doing the right thing. But it can be very difficult to find accurate information before we fly on what we're supposed to do in any given airport um, or, or for any given airline. And then similar to Sue Ann, um, I am also often one of the last people to deplane. And this can be frustrating for everyone involved, myself, the flight attendants, the pilots who, who either want to get on with their lives or want to go to their next flight. Um, and I am frequently encouraged, um, especially because they know that um, I, I can walk, to just walk up the jet bridge and wait at the gate. Or if I'm not encouraged to walk up the jet bridge, if a chair is down and waiting, but there is no um, wheelchair assistant, I'm encouraged to just sit in that chair and wait on the jet bridge for someone to come. Um, and that feels unsafe, and sometimes it's very cold. Um, it, and so it just creates a, a really unpleasant experience, which um, is rough if the, if the flight has been great otherwise. Um, so those are two of my most recent experiences, and we can go to the next slide. So we have prepared a list of uh, do's and don'ts to help prevent um, some of these experiences that Christine, Sue Ann, and I have described. Um, and one of our biggest do's is, is listen and ask questions rather than making um, assumptions. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Sometimes assumptions can lead to, um, again, negative experiences, frustrations, um, and at worst, they can lead to uh, direct harm, whether that be for our mobility equipment or harm to the individual themselves. Christine, do you want to take the next one? Thank you, Christine. The next do is related to the one that Maria mentioned, which is work with us to come up with a solution. 
because access needs and accommodation are so individual to the disabled person, we don't expect you to know all the answers sometimes, but we hope that you will work with us and say, okay, this is what we can do. Does that work? No. Okay, let's keep thinking of solutions so we feel like we are collaborating together to a solution that works both for us and for you. Uh, Siran, do you want to take the next one? So ask us our preference. So instead of um, the first one, right, right like assuming, um, a good rule of thumb is to ask us what we want instead of um, just assuming that's what we need. And I think a good example is if I'm sitting um, if there's two seats available and the assumption is I would like the middle seat because it's kind of in between two people. Um, my preference is to just have the window seat so that when people come in and out, I don't have to move and I don't have to um, pull my feet up. And because I have fragile bones, so if my feet are hit, they can easily break. So just a simple question could can make a really big difference. This is Maria. Uh, another do is to be ready to share the process or be willing to find the answer. So many of um, the fraught interactions that I might have when I fly are partially because I don't know the process. And again, the, the other person, whether they're a gate agent or a, a flight attendant, is assuming um, that that I do know. And something that is always very helpful is when an individual takes the time to explain the process um, or <clears throat> work with me to find an answer to my problem um, so that I know for the future and they actually know um, that they may need to explain this again to other passengers in the future. Uh, Christine, do you want to take the first don't? So our first don't is don't ignore us. Um, I have found that when I'm flying, I might be the first deaf person that they meet. And so often gate attendants or flight attendants can be nervous and say, okay, we're going to put you to the side right here and we'll come back to you. And then I'll be waiting a very long time because, you know, gate attendants are very busy with rebooking people's flight or upgrading them to different seats. And I just never know what the next step of action is. So it's similar to what Maria just said of the do is share the process with us. So if you are not able to give me an answer, at least say something like, I will be back in five minutes. I just need to find the answer. I would be more comfortable with that than being told we sit on the side and wait and not know any time frame or if they're going to come back to me. So this is Sue Ann. Uh, do things without our consent. Again, I have osteogenesis imperfecta, 
and that is riddled bone disease. So if someone assumes that they can just pick me up uh, without asking me first, that is a big no. So just ask, um, make sure that you're letting us know how you're going to assist and make sure that that's okay. This is Maria. Our next don't is make a big deal about it. Um, and I'm sure each of us can have examples of this too. Um, I know when uh, I fly, um, oftentimes flight attendants think they're being supportive um, when they make comments about my ability to get up out of the chair and, and walk to my seat. Um, one of the things that I've learned how to do is to lift up the armrest on the that faces the aisle and they'll say things like, oh wow, you must be a professional. And I'm not a professional, but I, uh, I am the president and CEO of a national civil rights organization and fly frequently. Um, but instead of coming away from that feeling supportive, what I actually feel is that um, I'm being patronized and treated like a child because that's what they expect of me when they make that big deal. Um, on the opposite end, sometimes uh, airline staff can make a big deal out of providing accommodations when in reality accommodations are, are civil rights that we have fought for. They're not big deals. They should be commonplace and common practice and uh, the standard of how airlines do business. Christine, I'll pass it to you. Thank you, Christine. I think we are kind of touch on the last don't. So for the interest of time, I'm going to ask that we move to the next slide so we can continue with all of that. So I'm gonna go back to the do column. And we have talked about how to make us feel like a valued customer. And a lot of this will relate to the do that we mentioned earlier of working with us communicating with that it's okay if you don't know the answer but we also want to feel like we have a part in the process and that we are being treated equally to non-disabled passenger experience while flying um i'm gonna jump to the next two and then i'll have maria and see and cover the rest of the dump but often like Maria, Suan, and I have shared, we might be the first disabled person that you meet. And we hope that, like Suan said, the more that you say the word disability, the less stigmatized you become. Similar thing here, the more you share about your experience, whether it's with your colleague of, hey, I met a deaf passenger, this is something I learned today. I just wanted to share it with you in case you also have a deaf passenger or someone who is a trail user or may need assistance deep learning. These are what I found works. So sharing the positive experiences and the takeaways that you have learned from that. And hoping that what you take when you learn those things or if you witness a disabled person being treated unfairly or if they are being devalued, you bring that up to the organizational level and advocate for us. AUPD, a disabled rights organization, is doing a lot of advocating 
But it's always great when our allies and our partners are also advocating as well internally to improve best practices or training or resources available to both passengers with disabilities as well as the frontline workers. So I'm going to pass this to Suran to kick us off with the first jump. So the first one we have is to get frustrated or upset because we didn't know how the process worked. We do not work at an airline. I worked at a college, which is not an airline. So uh, when people get frustrated or upset because we just want accommodations or we just want equal access, it um, really demoralizes and like. Um, makes us feel not that great and not valued as a customer. This is Maria. I'll cover the last two since they're um, related. So uh, one doubt we have is to not to talk to the people we are traveling with instead of talking directly to us. Um, this happens to me quite a bit. I will travel with my partner and uh, airline staff, the wheelchair assistants will talk directly to her instead of talking to me. Um, and she has to be the one to say, you should talk to Maria. That's uh, the, the person you're actually asking about. Um, I'll put a caveat here. Like Sue Ann mentioned, um, everybody's going to have their own preference around this, but the default should be to talk to the person with a disability, and then they can indicate to you if instead they would like someone else to speak on their behalf. And then relatedly, um, sometimes we do travel with personal attendants or personal assistance, like Sue Ann mentioned, but oftentimes we might be traveling with our family member or our friends who are not providing any kind of personal assistance. And so as we've mentioned many times, it's really important to talk directly to the, to the individual and to let <clears throat> them mention their preferences and reference who they're traveling with if they want to reference who they're traveling with at all. Um, so we'll go to our final slide now, which is uh, a thank you. Thank you all so much for having us. Uh, thank you to, the, to Bridge for all of your work. Um, we have uh, lots of resources and would definitely be open to continuing um, communication and relationships uh, and again, we are we are so grateful to United for your partnership. Uh, Christine or Sue Ann, would you like to add anything? Thank you for the opportunity to uh, just let us speak and share our experiences with you. Um, it really means a lot that our voices are being heard. This is Christine. I think the only other thing I'll add in on the next slide, when you all have the slide deck, we included some links to things that we referenced during our presentation, including AAPD's website, our internship program, book recommendation, the TED Talk by Stella Young, titled Not Your Inspiration. It is a great TED Talk, and I recommend everyone to watch it. But we are happy to answer any questions for the remaining time that we have. Thank you, Christine, Maria, and Sue Ann uh, for your uh, educational 
presentation. Uh, uh, I'm Daniel Spakowski. I'm one of the uh, original Special Olympic Service Ambassadors here at United Airlines. And uh, uh, first, before we get to a few um, questions that are coming in, uh, I want to acknowledge that there's lots of people uh, are thanking you all for sharing your experiences traveling. And it's so important for us at United Airlines to heal so we can do better to improve the uh, experience for all of us with disabilities. Uh, I know we talk a lot uh, here in the U.S., but because we are a global airline um, for um, for others with disabilities across the globe. So we'll begin with um, Christine. We've got uh, one question. Uh, I imagine it's difficult at the gate to get announcements and other information. Um, uh, do you rely on the airline's mobile app or what tools or accommodations would you like to see United do to make it easier for you to travel independently? when they the screen that announced what group is boarding and it's helpful for me to know when priority boarding is happening so I can get to the front of the line. It is helpful if the gate attendant tells everyone else that I am also supposed to be there because people make a lot of assumptions that I am just a young person trying to board the plane first before everybody. In terms of the plane experience, it would be great to have some kind of captioning device on the screen or whether it's through your phone or the United app of announcements that are being made, such as the wind is really high right now. We are going to be circling for 30 minutes, so we are going to be delayed or we are going to an entirely different airport, which has happened, and I was like, I don't know where I am when I got off. I didn't know how I was supposed to get my luggage, how I was, to, I was supposed to get back to my original destination, but all of that was displayed on the announcement. And because everyone was grumpy at 1 a.m., none of the flight attendants wanted to explain that, just something to get that information in a written format or through the app would be helpful. Awesome, thank you. Uh, now, for Maria uh, or Sue Ann, uh, either both of you or um, one of you can answer this next question, uh, which is when you travel with a mobility device, do you have any tips or best practices on how to best handle your device? Um, which um, by that we mean, how, how would you like your device to be handled by our WAMP agents uh, and, and supervisors? That, uh, that 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 take your device uh, on and off the aircraft. This is Suanne. So before I board the plane, we always uh, give a brief tutorial to whoever is right there to um, on how to handle the powered wheelchair. So um, we show them the power switch, we show them how to put it on manual. So I, and each equipment is different. So 
a powered wheelchair is going to be a lot different than a manual wheelchair or a scooter. So it just depends. This is Maria. Just to add to that um, quickly, one thing that I've seen a lot of power chair users um, say is that they wish um, baggage handlers and other staff would stop trying to fold their chairs. Most power chairs do not fold, and I think everyone should just learn that. Um, and then for <clears throat> um, the, the other piece to this, and Sue Ann mentioned this, no one should feel as if they have to lift a 300 to 400 pound device. Um, and so I, I do think it is really incumbent on airlines or airports, I'm not sure who's responsible for this, but to provide baggage handlers with the equipment that they need to lift these devices so that they're safer and our equipment is less likely to break. Awesome, thank you. Um, I, I believe we've got time um, for possibly one or two more questions uh, that I'll come in. So our next question uh, is, uh, trying to look through the chat here. Uh, if, uh, are there any, places where you find let's skip that. let me go to this last question here it's a fine line between disclosing your disability so airlines can provide accommodation and protecting your privacy any thoughts on how you feel about disclosure as a, a passenger This is Maria. I'll uh, take a stab at this and then uh, Christine or Sue, or Sue Ann might have um, different insights. So part of the reality of um, accommodations is a requirement to disclose. Now, disclosure is an extremely personal decision. Um, but one of the things that I think is very important for people to understand is that when you disclose, you don't need to provide your specific diagnosis. You don't need to um, let people know what medications you're taking. Um, you know, all you have to say is, I have a disability and I need these accommodations in order to fly or in order to work. And um, in, so I, I do think there are ways that you can protect your privacy by actually being very specific about what information you disclose and to whom. But to one of Christine's earlier points, I actually think it will make passengers with disabilities um, feel more comfortable disclosing their disabilities when they're booking their tickets if they know where that information is going, who it's being seen by, and how it's being used. And that's true for United employees as well. Um, when an employee discloses, it, you know, whether it's their direct manager or someone in HR, um, they should have a sense of how, how that information is being documented, where it's going to be held, and who else is going to see it. Uh, Christine or Sue Ann, do you have anything to add? 
this uh, Christine, I think I think Maria did a great job. I think so. And another example I would give is before the pandemic, I often did not disclose my disability on the ticket because I am a person who relies a lot on lip reading. And I did, did not want to deal with gate attendants or flight attendants making it a big deal if I disclosed that I was deaf. But due to the pandemic and due to the max mandate, it was an interesting juxtaposition between the two where I did need to disclose in order to be able to communicate more effectively with the airport staff. So Posting profit of disclosing can depend on the airport experience, the staff around them. Sometimes I don't disclose it when I book it, but I get to the airport and realize, oh, I actually do need assistance with this. So sometimes it's not always shared up front. Thank you, uh, Christine, Maria, and Suan, uh, for your. Uh, um, questions and uh, I know uh, everyone really uh, uh, enjoyed your, your, your presentation. I want to pass on. Pass. Support for Special Chronicles comes from listeners like you. As an independent public media podcast, Special Chronicles will, will always be there for you. Now we're asking you to be there for us. As a nonprofit independent media organization, we can only make programs like Special Chronicles with listener support. Our programs provide weekly candid, honest, and inspiring conversations about the people with disabilities community that creates awareness, support, and advocacy within each week's episode. Listeners tell us our shows are an enjoyable and necessary podcast for the intellectual and developmental disability community and everyone else who is able to listen to stories about life from a different angle. Please, if you and your family love our weekly podcast, make a one-time monthly or, or annual gift of thanks today. Support this podcast at specialchronicles.com slash give. That's specialchronicles.com slash give. Support for Special Chronicles comes from Comed. Special Chronicles is proud to partner with the Comed Energy Force Ambassador Program. The Energy Force is the country's first energy efficiency education program designed for and taught by people with disabilities. Comed is powering lives and really is powering us here at Special Chronicles to keep the lights on and our technology is powered on. As Comed powers the lives of us, they're literally giving a voice to people with, with special needs. We thank Comed for the general support of our mission at Special Chronicles. Learn more at specialchronicles.com slash Comed. That's specialchronicles.com slash Comed. Special Chronicles is hosted by Podbean Podcast Hosting, the easiest, most affordable option to get started in podcasting. At Special Chronicles, we proudly host our weekly podcast free now to get started in podcasting today when you visit specialchronicles.com slash podbean. That's specialchronicles.com slash podbean. Our live streams are powered by StreamYard, the easiest way to create professional live streams. StreamYard is a live streaming studio in your browser. 
interview guests, share your screen, and much more. Stream directly to Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and other platforms. Sign up for StreamYard today using our StreamYard We Forward link when you visit specialchronicles.com slash StreamYard. That's specialchronicles.com slash StreamYard. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Special Chronicles podcast. Our podcast was produced by Daniel Smikowski on the Special Chronicles Network. Follow Special Chronicles on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Subscribe, rate, and review Special Chronicles on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our website, specialchronicles.com, where you can stream our archives of over 500 episodes for absolutely for free. Also, there's a list of our favorites, original series, award-winning columns, and blogs. And sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive bonus content delivered to your inbox. Again, specialchronicles.com. Special Chronicles is hosted by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Our live streams are powered by StreamYard. Thanks, as always, to our business manager, Adam Smukowski, who always in- encourages us to never give up. I'm Daniel Smukowski, back next week with more stories. Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs.